imagine, and it's hard to do, but imagine being lost, really lost, like this lost, 1,500 miles from home. You are a five-year-old, 1,500 miles away from your mother, from any family. What would that feel like? And that is the story of Saru Brierley that was uh, inspiration for his best-selling book, Long Way Home, for the movie Lion that Hollywood put out. And I'm going to introduce our topic this morning by letting him in an interview with Google Earth share a little bit about his story. It was 26 years ago and I was just about to turn five. We got to the train station and we boarded my train together. My brother just said, I'll stay here and I'll come back. And I just thought, well, you know, I might as well just go to sleep and he'll just wake me up. And when I wake up the next day, the whole carriage was empty on a runaway train, a ghost train taking me I don't know where. I was adopted out to Australia to a Australian family and mum had decorated my room with the map of India which she put next to my bedside. I woke up every morning seeing that map and hence it sort of kept the memories alive. People would say you're trying to find a needle in a haystack so you never find it. I'd, I'd have flashes of the places that I used to go, the flashes of my family faces. There was the image of my mother sitting down with her legs crossed just watching her cry. Life is just so hard. That was my treasure. And I was looking at Google Map, realised there's Google Earth as well, a world where you could zoom into. I started to have all these thoughts and what possibilities that this could do for me. I said to myself, well, you know, you've got all the photographic memories and landmarks where you're from and you know what the town looks like. This could be an application that you can use to find your way back. I thought, well, I'll put a, a dot on Calcutta train station uh, in a radius line that, you know, you should be searching around this area. I sort of came across these train tracks and I started following it and I came to a train station which reflected the same image that was in my memories. Everything matched. I just thought, yep, yeah, I know where I'm going. I'm just going to let the map that I have in my head to lead me and take me back to my hometown. I came to the doorstep of the house that I was born and walked around about 15 metres around the corner. There was three ladies standing outside adjacent to each other and the middle one stepped forward and I just thought, this is your mother. She came forward, she hugged me and, uh, and you know, we were there for about five minutes. She grabbed my hand and she took me to the house and, and got on the phone and she rang my sister and my brother to say that, you know, your brother has just all of a sudden appeared like a ghost. And then the family was reunited again. Everything's all good. They helped my mother out. She doesn't have to be slaving away. She can live the rest of her life in peace. It was a needle in a haystack, but the needle was there. Everything's there. Everything we have in the world is the tap of a button, but you've got to have the will and the determination to wanting it. Google Earth has gotten a lot of mileage out of that story. By the way, that movie is terrific. I think it's the last movie I cried at, so uh, I would highly recommend Lion. Uh, I think it's on uh, Redbox now. I think it's out on, on video. 
But 2012 is that reunion when Saru, after uh, 26 years, makes it from Australia back to that little village. He didn't even know the name of his village when he was five years old. He finally made it back home, shared the story with locals. One of them said, yes, I know your mother, and facilitated that reunion there close to his childhood home. Uh, What an amazing story, though, right? I mean, and I think one of the reasons that story captures us so much is it really is our story in a sense. It is the story that Scripture affirms is true of us from Genesis to Revelation. We are on a journey home. There is an empty place in our hearts. There is this restlessness. There is this sense that, yes, this world is not my home. And so whether you are a believer or not, I believe that you feel in your heart this sense that you are not home, uh, that you are also on a journey home. And this morning, as we continue our series, The Spirit Within, um, we're going to find it's not Google Earth, it's the Holy Spirit, right, that helps us on this spiritual journey back to the Lord. And it doesn't matter how far you've wandered. You can get back home. God has taken uh, every effort to make that possible for you. The death of Jesus on the cross to wash all of your sins away. The gift of the Holy Spirit to accompany you, to comfort you, and to call you into who you are, a child of God. You have everything you need to get back home. But none of it's automatic. It's not just going to happen. It's going to require some choices along the journey for you. And so that's where I wanted to start out this morning. And this is on the outline. Just a couple of decision points I want us to be very clear about, right? And the first one is this. And I want you to think about this today. Because you may go, wait, at first, but think about this. I am as close to God right now as I want to be. You are as close to the Lord right now as you want to be. If you are far from God, it is not because he got on a train and hurtled off down the tracks away from you. It is because you have made choices that have taken you away from him. If you are near to the Lord, it's because you have chosen to lean into his grace and his goodness. He longs to be near to you. You've turned into him. And I believe that each of us can affirm I am as close to God right now as I choose to be. Now, if you're really trying to get back home, spiritually speaking, if you're really trying to get closer to the Lord, you have got to understand this next thing. And that is number two there. There is a tug of war, all right? There is a tug of war between voices and ideas and desires. And you know this. They are pulling you in different directions, right? You feel this in your day-to-day. Saying yes to God must mean saying no to the voices and the forces that would pull you away from him, the father the father's house. So what are those voices pulling you off course? I'm sure you already know what they are, but let's just talk about them because we want to be clear about those decisions to break free from those and to be pulled by the Spirit back home to God. One of those voices is the culture, is the world. 
I need to decide that I won't be pulled by a culture that doesn't honor God. Surprise, surprise. This is not a culture that is primarily interested in bringing you back home to God. It's not. And if I'm going to go with the flow of culture around me, then I am hurtling down the tracks further and further and further away from the Lord. As Exodus 23, 2 says, you must not follow the what? The crowd in doing wrong. Read that with me if you would. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. If you're just going along, if you're just going with the flow, that's what happens. You end up following the crowd in a different way direction. It won't take you home. Now, don't get me wrong. There are ways, yes, that God works and speaks even in the culture through art and literature and music and beauty. God does work through those things in, in different circumstances, but the prevailing flow of culture is not one that you are going to go along with if your desire is to get back home to God. Okay? Um, the Holy Spirit not only leads you home, but along the way, we also become a little taste of home for the world around us. When we're doing ministry in the world, when we're sharing the gospel in the world, we are part of not only being led home ourselves, but helping those around us find their way back home as well. Okay, Romans 12, verse 2. Paul says this. <laughs> Do not... Change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but be changed within by a new way of thinking, right? Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and what is pleasing to Him and what is perfect, Again, don't go with the flow. Don't just get caught up in culture. Make a decision to follow the voice within the Holy Spirit and to head toward God. So not only is the culture around me causing me sometimes, if I lean into that or get pulled away, taking me away from God, not only is it taking me away from God, but it is possible also that your friends can take you away from God as well. So the second bullet there is I won't be pulled by friends who don't love the Lord. Okay? I know you love your friends. You are called to influence them if they are not believers, not to be influenced by them. Um, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 says, Dear children, do not let yourselves, uh, do not let anyone lead you astray. So police yourself, be led toward God, do not be led away from God. Now that isn't a biblical call for you to be antisocial, right? That is not God saying you need to end all of your friendships. That's not what it is at all. It is a call to recognize that those around you who don't love the Lord like you do are going to have opinions, thoughts, and ideas that are going to not lead you to God, going to lead you, in fact, away from God. Um, you, you hear this in advice all the time. I mean, um, think about this. So, 
she goes to her friend. And she's talking about how, man, my marriage is really in a rough spot right now. I don't know what to do. And the friend says, yeah, your husband is a knucklehead. You can do better. Divorce that knucklehead. Now, your husband might be a knucklehead, right? But he's your knucklehead. He is the knucklehead that God joined you to in a covenant till death do us part for better or worse. There are so many things that we hear, though, that, that, that lead us to serve ourselves, to serve our interests, to serve our desires, and to ignore the one who is calling us to something better, calling us home. There is so much that pulls away from God or moves us toward God. Choose what moves you toward God, not what moves uh, you away from God. And our friends have a lot of influence on us. Your top two, three, four friends, they have a lot of influence on you. Be aware of that. Next, I won't be pulled away from God by my circumstances. I won't let my circumstances take me away from home. So, look, God can work through our unique situations, our unique circumstances. But no, you should not necessarily interpret your circumstance as being God's will. Um, your circumstance can pull you toward God. It can pull you away from God. I think about, I was thinking this week about some examples, and there are plenty of like real life today examples. But I was thinking from the Bible, you know, Acts chapter 27, Paul wants to get to Rome, okay? There is a boat that is heading toward Rome. He's got money to buy a ticket. There is space on that boat for him. And the Bible tells us that the weather is perfect. There is a breeze blowing in the right direction. It's just that he has heard from God, this boat is going to get shipwrecked. And he tells the captain. Well, the captain and the crew take a vote. They decide, no, things are perfect. Circumstances are ideal for us to take this journey. He leans into Paul, the word of God, instead of circumstances. But for the good of those people, he, go, he gets on that boat. And because of him, they end up, yeah, there, there is a shipwreck, but they end up being saved. Um, circumstances don't necessarily represent what you need to do. They can look just right, but not be taking you the right direction. Was that, or there was that time, David, right? I'm just going to go up on the roof of my house, and it just so happened the circumstance was just there that Bathsheba next door is on her roof taking a bath. Was that circumstance leading him toward God or leading him away from God? You know what was happening. It wasn't leading him toward God. So I need to watch my circumstances as well. Finally, I won't be led by my feelings. You talk about countercultural, what we are not told by our culture today. Um, this is it. I won't be led by my feelings. My feelings deceive me oftentimes. Uh, feelings are fleeting. No emotion can stick. You'll feel one way today, you'll feel a different way tomorrow or a different way after a cup of coffee, all right? It is much better to, to believe your way into feeling rather than to feel your way into believing. Proverbs 14, verse 12 gives us this warning. Um, it says, there is a path before each person. That means there is a path before you. There is a path before each person that seems right. But it ends in death. I mean, it feels right. Everything that, yeah, my instincts are saying yes. 
But God is saying, watch out, that path can lead you to destruction. So can God use a feeling or use your conscience to steer you? Yes, he can. Can God use a circumstance or the opinion or advice of a friend? Absolutely, he can. But the warning here is these forces that shape me are not 100% trustworthy. The Spirit, for example, the Spirit will never, ever tell you to do something or lead you to do something that contradicts the Word of God. He won't do that. He works, the Spirit, He works with the Word of God, with the Bible, and He works with some of these other things as well to steer us. But you can trust 100% of the time what the Word of God is revealing to you because the Spirit works most clearly and powerfully through the Word. So what does that look like? What does that partnership between the Word and the Spirit uh, look like? Hey, this is on your outline this morning, being led by the Spirit. The first thing, we talked about this last week, by the way, is that the Spirit is like a spotlight drawing attention always to Jesus. He is the shy member of the Trinity. He doesn't want attention for himself. He wants you to look to Jesus. He wants you to glorify Jesus. Um, So write this down. The Spirit moves and works in me so that my life glorifies Christ and my life cannot be explained without his power. Right? Your life is a living witness to Jesus Christ. The work of the Spirit is always deeply connected to Christ, right? Um, He is not an independent operator. He doesn't, in the New Testament, seem to want attention for himself, but he does seem to be constantly drawing people to Jesus. Now, a big way that this happens is through the Scriptures, the Word of God. They are called, in Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit. And in in Ephesians, uh, rather, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, Paul says that the Scriptures, your Bible, all of that is God-breathed. Now, you can literally translate the Greek there as, your Bible is God-spirited, right? The word there is spirited. The Scriptures are God-spirited. He makes them alive not only participated in the formation of scripture but he makes them alive today tomorrow every day so here's how this works right write this down the spirit makes the word come alive within me he makes god's word personal he takes the best seller of all time and he makes it custom fit for your life and for your circumstances, and for your decisions. That's what he does. Um, Jesus talked about this, right? John 6, 63, he says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Spirit alone can take you home. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. So Jesus is saying, the Word, the Spirit is working in that. The Spirit is doing something you can't do on your own through the Word. Um, The words come to life in my day-to-day world because the Spirit is at work in those. That means 
for starters, if you think that the Spirit is leading you to sin or that the Spirit is leading you to believe or act in a way that is contrary to the Scriptures, you better think again. He's not doing that. Um, he speaks through Scripture. He speaks in harmony with the Bible. And the more time this discipline is so important, if you want to be led by the Spirit... The more time you, you spend in the Word of God, the more you will hear His voice in the particulars of your life. In those unique situations, you'll hear what He is saying to you. He will never lead you to sin. He will never do anything in your life that diminishes Jesus. Um, he will never contradict Scripture. What He does is He makes the Scripture come alive. Um, he takes those ancient words and he activates them in your particular circumstances. All right? Um, so if you feel like, for example, if you feel like this message this morning is connecting with you, that, wow, this is really, you're being stirred by this message, it's not me. You don't need to thank me. You need to thank the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's doing the work. All right? Um, so the Spirit working through the Word of God. Just some quick hits here, so be ready to write these down. Um, think of it like this. How does this work? Well, for starters, the Spirit takes the unchanging, eternal Word of God and makes it come alive by applying it to my ever-changing circumstances. Right? He brings the Word to bear on what's going on on May 14th, 2017 in my life, in your life. Um, he's translating it into the particulars of my day-to-day -day life, right? Um, the second thing here. So the Bible sets up this destination. It shows me, okay, this is Google Maps. Here's home over here. Well, the Spirit directs my journey toward the destination laid out in the Word of God. It provides me direction, day-to-day, -day, ongoing basis. Uh, the next thing I would say is this. The Spirit makes the love of God tangible and real, not just black and white on a paper. It makes the love of God tangible and real, something I do feel, something I do experience, the, that which the Word of God has told me about. Um, the Spirit, finally, that last bullet point there, brings understanding based on the knowledge that the Word of God imparts. So I know things in the Word of God. The Spirit gives me understanding. Oh, how does that work in my life, in my world? And again, the more time I spend in God's Word, the more I envelop my thoughts in the Scriptures, the more study and memorization I'm doing in the Bible, uh, the more I have laid the groundwork for the Spirit to lead me. Think of it like this. There may be a better analogy out there, but this is what I came up with this week. Think of it like this. The wiring in a new home. The wiring is laid in every room, in every part of that home. And then what happens, since you've got the wiring there, when you need to turn the lights on, you flip the switch and on the lights come. You need to turn your TV on. You flip the switch, the TV turns on. Um, the wiring is there to provide access to the power that is needed. Now, if the wiring is there 
you're going to have the power you need when you need it. And when, this is, this is, the, this is the transfer here to the Spirit and the Scriptures. When we spend time in the Scriptures, God is laying that wiring in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our thoughts, in our attitudes. And the Spirit will get you the particular insight and discernment and power you need when and where you need it. But you've got to have the wiring. You've got to spend time in the Word. Um, the Spirit teaches. The Spirit reminds. This is all according to the New Testament. The Spirit comforts. The Spirit leads. The Spirit confronts. He makes the Word come alive. He electrifies the Word of God. Um, he makes it relevant and unique and pertinent to my unique life with my unique relationships in this world. So write this down. Um, the Spirit, this is kind of moving on to the next point here, the Spirit helps me understand that I don't so much work for Christ as Christ is working through me, okay? I think this is an important distinction that really goes back to our first week in Romans 8 about our identity, that we are children of God. We've been adopted into His family. The Spirit affirms that in us. It is one of His most important jobs. Paul showed us that. He works within us to remind us our identity. You are a child of God. You may be a thousand miles away, right? You may have gotten on that train and hurtled away, but now you're coming back home, and the Spirit is reminding you, you're God's child, Right? You're not his employee. You're not his slave, according to Romans chapter 8. You're his son. So remember your identity as God's child. The Spirit affirms you belong to his family. You are a cherished child of God. And the Spirit of Christ is living in you. So it's not so much that you work for the Lord. It is more that he is working through you. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, but we do work for... Yes, you do work for the Lord. It's not inaccurate to say that you work for the Lord. But a more complete way to think about that is that He is the one doing the work. Remember, you can accomplish nothing apart from Him. He is the vine. You are the branches. Um, he is the one, more appropriately, He is the one working through you and with you. Saru... That video, right? Saru Brierly, what an amazing story. He made it back home, guided by some vague memories, guided by Google Earth. He made it back to that one who loved him so much. And the Spirit aims to help you. He acts as a faithful companion on your journey back home to the Lord. And in life's tug of war, you may feel pulled, rather you will feel pulled in a thousand directions. Lean into the Spirit. Follow His prompting. Let Him draw you into fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Let Him draw you into a life of obedience to your God. Let Him lead you home to your Father. Well, how about... How about beginning your journey right here? Right now? 
if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've never reached that decision point to turn back home and to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to wash away your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you are immersed in His name, you can begin that journey today. Maybe you just need prayers, and we've been talking about the past few weeks, and we're going to have more extended uh, prayer time this morning, response time. How the Spirit works when we pray. We don't always even, according to Romans 8, know what to pray for, and the Spirit is involved in our prayers, lifting up our needs, lifting up people and concerns and situations. And so just use this time, perhaps, to connect with someone and ask for prayers or to pray over them. Let's seek His leading as we respond together.